Genesis 39, verse number two. Man, the Lord has baked up a good one for you today. I want to teach today. I got some things that I want to share with you and just walk you through that I think will bring clarity uh, to this concept of walking in the blessing. If you've been here over the past month, we've been teaching uh, on operating in the blessing. I'm still teaching on that. I'm going to try to summarize it today. I'll give you a subject in just a second. But Genesis chapter 39, verse number 2 through 5. And the Bible says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all, everybody shout all, all he did to prosper in his hand. My God. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him, Potiphar that is, made Joseph overseer over his house. And all that he had, he put under Joseph's authority. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house, pay attention to this church, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake. Before I even go a little bit further, let me pause right there. Did you know that if you have the blessing on you, that wherever you are, the people will be blessed because you're there? That's not an arrogant statement. That does not make us Elohim, small g gods. I'm not saying anything like that. All I'm telling you this morning is if you listen to what I'm saying today and what I've been saying over the past few weeks and you start walking in the blessing, wherever you work, it will be blessed. Wherever you live, it will be blessed. My God, where you shop, it will be blessed. The blessing will just be on you. So the Bible says, and the blessing of the Lord, big portion of verse number five, was on all that he had in the house and in the field. I want you to back up and look at verse number two, because the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. That's the key. God's got to be with you. And the Bible says, and he was a what kind of man? Successful or prosperous man, depending on your translation. Mine says successful. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, or in Potiphar's house. I want to talk today from this thought, great didactic teaching. I'm telling you right now, get this one, keep it, because if you practice these principles that I share with you today, there won't be a devil in hell that can stop you. I want to talk today from this simple thought. Nine traits of highly successful Christians. Nine traits, Melvin of highly, Dave, successful Christians. And I want you all to listen intensively with me today because God, during my prayer time, fasting time this week, he gave me this subject as a summary to the teaching on Joseph. I may not get all nine of them in today, uh, but I'm going to try to get as many of them in as I possibly can. May get all nine in depending on how the anointing flows. But I want to give you nine traits that highly successful Christians have and or are trying to acquire. If you get these nine traits, you will experience greatness. Everybody shout greatness. You will experience greatness in your life. For the sake of the theology of the text, we understand that Joseph uh, is from the land of Canaan here, and he's in the Egyptian's house. Now, he's in Egypt, and he's in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar was a high official of Pharaoh. 
So he was not the pharaoh, but at this point, he was in one of the high officials, one of the governors of the lands. Joseph is in his house. And because Joseph is in this man's house, everything in this man's house seemingly prospers. And I have a question for you. If you see greatness on somebody, would it not make sense to just stop and ask, what's your secret? You know, uh, before you decide that you want to start a business, wouldn't it make good sense to benchmark on somebody else who's doing the same thing you've done and figure out how they've done it well? Amen. You know, if you want to have a healthy marriage, you know, why not listen to somebody like William and Lily Rogers, my parents, who've been married 50 years? 50 years to the, to the same person, amen? All your kids come from the same, are you following me? Right, I think they got a secret to success. I have studied marriage in the school of psychology and I counsel folk through their marriages, but I wanna tell you they're more of an authority on the subject than I am. For they have lived it and they have bold successful in it. Everybody shout, listen. So we need to listen today to Brother Joseph because Joseph throughout his lifetime, he teaches us how to be great. And remember now, there is nothing wrong with having. How many of you here, you want to be blessed? We've already learned, if you've listened to this series up to now, that the blessing is not houses, cars, and land right? But those are symptoms of the blessing. And for the record, there's nothing wrong with having houses, cars, and land. That is a symptom, though, of having God's hand on your life. There's nothing wrong with having a healthy and happy marriage. Married couples, show of hands. How many of you here, you want your home to be a happy place? My God, that teaching was so good last week where we talked about the blessing on the family. Oh, God, you want your family to be a place of peace, a place of happiness to where you look forward to going home. Well, Joseph is teaching us today even further the concept of the blessing on our life to where if we exercise the principles that he exercised in his life, we will have exactly what he had. Acts 10 and 34, don't turn there, put it in your notes. Because we're going to stay in the book of Genesis today. But Acts 10 and 34 says, God is no respecter of persons. If he blessed Joseph, how many of you know he'll bless you? If he did it for Brother Sekou, how many of you know he'll do it for you? If he did it for me, he will do it for you. God is saying this morning that everybody, watch this, key, key, key. Everybody who works my program gets my program's results. If you want certain results, come here, guys who work out and ladies who work out. Isn't there not a certain program that you work to produce those results? You want to uh, bench press a few more pounds? Don't you buck up on the weight? You want to get a little more lean? Don't you do a few more reps? Whatever program you're trying to get into is the type of body even that you'll produce. What God is saying today, there's parallels in the kingdom. Whatever you work, whatever principles you work in your life will produce that principle's results. Everybody say, we want results. If that's true, listen to me this morning. I want to summarize then the concept of Joseph and the blessing. Everybody shout the blessing. So nine traits of highly successful Christians. The first trait of highly successful Christians, if you're writing, is that of preparation. Preparation. Run with me to Genesis 41, verse 47 through 49, then 55 through 57. Genesis 41. Everybody shout preparation. Preparation. 
Genesis 41, the Bible says in verse 47, Now in the seven plentiful years that the ground brought forth abundantly, so he, he being Joseph, gathered up all the food of the seven years which was in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities, and laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. Pause right there. What is Joseph doing? He's preparing. What is he preparing for? He had already prophesied to Pharaoh that there would be seven years of abundance, but then there would be seven years of what? Famine. So during his seven years of famine, Joseph is preparing, for, or, or abundance rather, he's preparing for the famine that's on its way. And the Bible says in 49, Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea, and he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. Joseph, in this context, prepared. Jump down to verse number 55. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. This is when Joseph is in Pharaoh's house. And Pharaoh said to the Egyptians, go to Joseph, and whatever he tells you to do, do it. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And what did Joseph have because of his preparation? Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. But look at 57. So all the countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was so severe. Listen to the kingdom principle that's at work in this passage. Christians are always prophetic. We prepare for what's up the world. To be pro means to be before. So Joseph is prophetic in that God had already given Pharaoh a dream that there would be seven years of famine and seven years of feast. Well, during the seven years of feast and greatness, Joseph is storing up and he's preparing himself for what he know is to come. Everybody shout, you've got to prepare. Watch this. My football coach used to say it this way. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. But we don't believe in luck. So I'll curve it this way. Blessings occur when preparation meet opportunity. Like you cannot sit and do nothing, standing, gazing, waiting for the pie in the sky to drop down on you and doors and floodgates to open without doing something in preparation so that when that season comes, you're ready to receive. A lot of people wonder why they're always holding the bag at the end of the day, why their lives are non-productive, because they don't do anything in their down seasons. The down season of preparation is what God would have us to understand this morning is the first character trait as to what God wants to do. What is preparation all about? Preparation is all about positioning. Did you know that you can be out of place and miss God? Did you hear what I just said? How many people, Dave, waste years of their life just totally outside of the will of God? And here's the tragedy of that statement that I just made. Then they wake up one day at the tender age of 89 only to realize that they have lived a totally unfulfilled life because they were not preparing and they were not in a place of positioning. You have got to prepare for greatness. The Bible even teaches us this concept of preparing for the glory. I want to show you this concept really quick, and you'll be able to bear witness to it. I don't mean this in any distaste, but have you ever seen someone come out with an ideal or an invention that as soon as they came out with it, you say to yourself, I thought about that 10 years ago. 
Don't raise your hand. Just raise it in your mind. You know, I mean, they've been cleaning buildings with rags for many years, and all of a sudden somebody made a glove out of it. And now instead of with rags, they can just use their hand to clean up. And you say to yourself, man, I wish I would have patented that. Or how about the lady? This is powerful. She became a multimillionaire. Check it out. You know how little babies like Christian, they like to play with pillow loops, the little tag at the end of the pillows? The woman made tags to go on stuffed animals and hit it big. Everybody say, why didn't I think about that? That's what we call a missed opportunity. Well, why do you miss opportunities in the kingdom? Matthew 25, you took the one talent that God gave you and you just buried it. You didn't do anything with it, right? You are sitting here today and you have talents and you have gifts and you have strategies and you have things that God has invested in you. And what God is saying this morning is, is you've got to take those things that I've planted inside of you and you've got to make them multiply in the kingdom. God, this is good teaching. But you cannot make them multiply if you are unwilling to, everybody shout, prepare. Preparation is huge. The second trait, and I'm going to keep moving. I might get through all nine of them. The second trait you've got to have if you're going to be a successful Christian, and I love this one. I wanted to put it at the beginning because I don't want you guys to think that I'm just a destiny preacher. Somebody say not so. Amen. We got our teeth rotted on purpose. Every preacher we hear is destiny, destiny, destiny. Purpose, purpose, purpose. Seem like to me there are 66 books in the Bible. Can't you find anything else to preach? Right? So the second trait you need, and probably one of the most powerful traits, is that of character. Character. Are you still here? Go with me to Genesis 39 and 6. Man, I'm going to slow walk you this morning. Genesis 39 and 6. One of the things that Joseph did is he prepared for the famine. We saw that in our first trait. But the second trait that Joseph had, which I think is just phenomenal, Donald, Erica, is he had this thing called character. And how many of you know at large character has gone out of style? Let me see if I can define character for you. Put this in your notes. Character is doing right despite the opportunity to sin. When you, got, <laughs> when you got character, you do right even though you have the opportunity to quote-unquote sin and watch this, quote-unquote get away with it. But because you have character, you decide that you're not going to do it. See, y'all don't say amen, and you know I'm going to come up with some examples if you don't say amen. There you go taking home 10 pins from your job every day. Carolina's Healthcare, Time Warner, Duke Power, they have invested thousands in your house in paper material. Well, I just need to make a few copies for Christian Ed. I mean, you know, the devil is a liar. Man, when you got character, you'll go to Walmart at 1 a.m. to get paper just so you can do right. Character is deciding to do right even when you could quote-unquote, and notice I keep saying quote-unquote, when you could sin and get away with it. My grandmother was right, though. She said sin will keep you longer than you want to stay and take you further than you want to go. See, notice now, never think you can just sin and it's just going to stop when you get ready. <laughs> I'm going to get back on the good stuff. But never think you can get off into some wickedness and just whenever you get ready, you're going to be able to bring it to a halt. 
I told you the problem with sowing wild oats is they grow. All of a sudden, one day, some stuff that you sold come knocking on your door. Hey, remember me? And I'm not going to give you examples of how they might knock, but just let your mind wander. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was there on that Saturday night. But when you have character, oh, I'm preaching right. When you have character, you decide to do the right thing, even though you have a valiant opportunity to do the wrong thing. And watch this, doing the wrong thing would feel good. One thing about sin is it feels good. Oh, God, don't you tell nobody that getting high doesn't feel good? Yeah, it does. It does. Illicit sex. Y'all better say amen before I get a little deeper. It feels temporarily good. The only problem with it is it doesn't come with the disclaimer of you may need the clinic on the Monday following. Y'all better say amen before I get real, like, real serious into this thing. Getting drunk feels great, but they don't tell you about the light pole that might be wrapped around your ribs any minute now when you're trying to drive home. So sin messes your life up, and you've got to have character. And notice Joseph. Learn it from him, not from Pastor Gabe. Notice Joseph in Genesis 39. Look at his character because he's in Potiphar's house. And check this out. The Potiphar's wife was not an ugly woman. Don't you think she was? The kings and generals of that day did not marry ugly. Pastor Gabe, that's rude. No, it's not. It's the truth. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Well, he beholded that she was gorgeous. And if you look at the word of God, not only was she not ugly, but Joseph was handsome. Oh, this is going to get good now. Joseph had the physical gifting to get off into some stuff. Nobody wants to be honest today. Nobody, I know. I know that. Nobody wants to be honest, man. But I'm going to read the Bible to you. And if I show it to you in the Bible, will you say amen then? Okay, let's look at the Bible. I just told you Joseph was handsome. I'm a practical pastor, so let me show you where the Bible says that Joseph was good to look at. Genesis 39, the Bible says in verse number 6, Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. This is Potiphar trusting Joseph. And he did not know what he had except the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was what? Handsome in form and appearance. Just read that. Joseph was not an ugly man. Now let's go through the word of God and see how he did not use his looks to uh, mess up the kingdom. Look, Look at it in verse number six. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife started to looking at him. She cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, come lie with me. I preached a message here a couple of years ago called Come Lie With Me. How many of you know the devil wants to lie with you? <laughs> Brother, you better listen to this young preacher this morning. She smells good and looks good. But trust me, she's got morning breath just like your wife. <laughs> 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 
She's going to take her makeup off just like your wife takes hers off. I'm not moving from this point just because you look at me like that. I keep telling y'all, I'm not. Looks don't threaten me. I have preached in more hostile to territory than this, trust me. So now, like, you can't just, like, because somebody says, come lie with me, take them up on their offer. You do have something called self-control. You hear what I just said? I'm going to blow your mind with this. Sinners practice self-control even without the Holy Ghost. I know what I'm talking about. I work in the field of psychology, and don't take this the wrong way. But people who go to AA, and if you're in here, you go to AA, keep going. It's good accountability. But they go to AA, they don't know God of the Bible in the first, but they will cash in their chips every week talking about I have been clean for 25 years. And they hadn't even, some of them, not all of them, they hadn't even met Jesus. So in this context, she says, come lie with me. But the Bible says character. Everybody shout character. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he committed all to my hand. He says, there is no one greater in this house than, than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. He has trusted me because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and not only sin against him, but sin against God? Did you just read that in the Bible? So I'm not just sinning against my master. Not only am I not going to lie with you because you're my master's wife, I'm not going to lie with you because I love God too much. God is the head of my life. I'm going to get off this point in just a second. You're not going to be faithful married couples to your spouse just because they look good. Don't you know looks evolve? I thank God that Stephanie still loves me even though my hairline's starting to go back a little bit. My God, looks evolve. But she, no, she, mine ain't evolved. She's sitting over there. I know that's right there. Man, I was putting something in the kitchen the other day, or just yesterday. This is a true story. And, you know, sometimes I do stuff because I want her to notice it. So I was putting something in the kitchen, and, and my, I had my tricep flexed. <laughs> and she came, and she said, "Woo!" Yeah, you did, there. Be honest. Be honest. You're in church. You did. You did. And I told all these women about, like, I didn't like him. Yeah, you did. You did. So he says, I'm not only going to not sin against you, I'm not going to sin against God. Well, that's, y'all, what character is all about. Character is about, everybody shout, integrity. Like when you have integrity, you do the right thing, even if doing the wrong thing would get you closer to your goal. But you don't do it, Pam, am I teaching right? Because you have integrity. 
I'll never forget this church was happening like it is now, steadily growing. We've grown fast in a couple of years, right? And this guy came up to me one day. He just came to the church just to give me a proposition. He said, Pastor, I got a way to get you a heck of a lot more money a lot more faster. I just need a little exposure to your members. I said, the devil is a liar. The church will be funded and grow, watch this, off of the tithe and the offering. And when you get the tithe in the offering, instead of buying a Maybach, how about put it in the bank and save it? I'm preaching in the wrong church this morning. Like, how about you save it so that God's church can stop going in foreclosure? I'm going to say something right now. I don't care if you like it or not. It is no good testimony for God's church to go in foreclosure. God's church? Your question ought to become, what are y'all doing? Where are our priorities? You don't have to like my talk. See, one of the reasons I can preach so hard against homosexuality is I'm not a homosexual. So I can preach that all day long. Because nobody's going to come through this door and say, ah, ah, ah. You know why I preach against womanizing? You don't have to like me this morning. I'm not going to hush, though. I, pre- I preach against womanizing because I only got one woman. You know how, how I can preach so hard against bad money management? Because I, I, man- I manage my money. And we manage God's money. So God is saying to you this morning, when you have character, you can make your boast in the Lord. Married couples, when your marriage falls apart, check this out. You hurt the kingdom. Because somebody has been looking at you to see if this righteous marriage thing, am I right, Lakeisha? Does it really work after all? If you're in here and you just got saved, Jameson, listen to me real good, bro. My God, listen to me. And others of you in here, you got born again, don't you dare backslide. Because somebody is saying, does the power of God really work? Do people really get born again? Slap your neighbor high five and tell them the power of God still works. It still works. And then when the Lord blesses you, don't you go somewhere ducking under a rock? Don't you go so No, you stand up and say to the utmost. Did you hear what I just said? I said, you stand up and say to the utmost, Jesus saved. That new house you moved in, God built it for you. That marriage you're going into, God built it for you. Are you hearing where I'm coming from? God did it. That's the power of character. You don't have to brag and boast about what you have, but for God's sake, if they ask you what's your secret... I tell you this all the time. Many times I'll go to the car dealership and just drive my car away. It wasn't even a warranty issue. But the Holy Ghost would get in the dealer and say, just take your car. I get in my car and I say it out loud. I'm a tither. (laughs) Y'all didn't say nothing. I'm a tither. The Bible says he would do what to the devourer? He would do what to the devourer? He would, he would do what? Rebuke the devourer. You know what he did for Israel? He made their shoes last. Did you hear what I just say? Their shoes did not wear out, Melvin. 
Man, their stuff lasts. My God, God will make it so you don't have to trade your car in until you get ready. He'll just make the transmission go 300 miles past time because that's what the good God I wish I was in church this morning. Your stuff won't break like everybody else's stuff. My God, you're moving houses you didn't even build. Glory to God. You'll be lifted up among men, and they'll have to say this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now, that's the blessing I feel like preaching. But you don't walk into that without character. You see, character is consistent. Character is not something you decide to do nine months at a time. You ought to be consistent and persistent in character. When you are persistent in character, you will win. Okay, I've exhausted that. Everybody say preparation. Everybody say character. The third thing he walked in was wisdom and discernment. If you're going to be a successful Christian, listen to me. You have got to, JB, operate in wisdom and discernment. Everybody say wisdom and discernment. I almost split these two out into separate points, but then God said, no, put them together because they go together. This is the spiritual side of Joseph. Joseph was not just practical. He didn't only, he, he had a budget. He stored up harvest grain. He was practical. But Joseph was also, which was better, he was spiritual. Joseph interpreted many men's dreams because he was spiritual. Joseph had insight. Let me, give you, let me give you a powerful point. First, let's look at the Bible on it. Let's look at the Bible on it. Genesis 41, verse 37. God, this is good stuff. Man, I could preach this kind of message for eight hours straight, but I promise I'll let you out on time. Good God Almighty. I love it when Christians make it. I'm tired of the world bragging and what they have, and you look at us, and we are poor, broke, busted, and disgusted, can't figure out how we're going to make ends meet. The devil is a liar. We walk in the blessing. The government can shut down again on Tuesday, but if you walk in the blessing, you're going to be just fine. Am I preaching right, Star? You work for the government. Did you miss a meal? I don't think so. I think you told me every week God provided for you. If anything, it was just a good break. Nice vacation. You are not contingent upon this world system. I don't even, let me tell you something. I, we live in this world, but we are not of this world. We're of the kingdom. Listen to what the Bible says. Mel, I'm going to keep preaching kingdom, brother. That's where we are. Genesis 41. Everybody say wisdom and discernment. <clears throat> Genesis 41, 37. This is after Joseph has interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. And then listen to what verse 37 says. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. The advice was what, church? good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this man, a man in whom is the spirit of God? The world had to take notice in the fact that Joseph was anointed. Let me give you a takeaway as you go to work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Check it out. The world, if you operate in Joseph principles, is going to notice that you have a supernatural ability to figure out things that they can't figure out. You'll come up with the solution to the problem on your job just so that God can exalt you. 
Your enemies on, oh, this is so good. People who can't stand your guts on your job. They will have to stop and say, no, Janitha was right. <laughs> we need to be doing this. We need to call purchasing and do that. And we need to make this management decision. She was right. No, she was right. Or you'll be like Brother Sekou, who ended his 21-day fast this past week and had some things up before him about employment during the whole 21-day fast. I joined in with him. I told him I'll agree with him, and I fasted with him. But check it out. Got down to the end of his 21-day fast, and on the 21st day, there were guys who had more seniority than him. There were only five positions. He was not next for a position, but they came to him and gave him just the position that he had been praying for. It's called Breakthrough. And you say what you want, you get upset with them, whatever you want, envy them, all you want to do. But that happened because he worked the kingdom principle. And if you work kingdom principles, you will have, I wish I was in church, man. You will have kingdom success. And when God blesses you, I keep saying this, you don't owe anybody a thing. Let them figure it out. Let them be upset. Get mad. I didn't ask you if I could be blessed. Slap somebody a high five and tell them when God blesses me, it's not up to you. Boy, Judy, I'm getting in trouble this morning. I'm trying to help you with this thing. I know I preach on this a lot, bro, but instead of envy and bless people, how about you go and bless them on top of the blessing that they have? How can I join in your bandwagon? God is with you. <laughs> Boy, that didn't go over well. So the advice was good. And Pharaoh said, we can't find anybody like him. Look at verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in so much God has shown you all of this. There is no one, what, as discerning and wise as you. Did you kept it, catch it, sis? God has shown you more than he showed everybody else. That's a trait of a successful Christian. When you are a successful Christian, I'm going to step in the deep water now, and I'm okay with it. You could care less what color the president is. But because you got discernment, you are already ahead of the wickedness that's going on in the White House. What is the wicked in Pastor Gabe? Well, anytime a president says he fully endorses homosexual lifestyles, it's wicked. Anytime a president fully funds Planned Parenthood, who, by the way, kills all of our babies, it's wicked. Do I need to cite any more events? Y'all, how come... When it comes down to spiritual things, all of a sudden, people become bland idiots. They just don't know anything. Because they want to go with their feelings. No, I'm going with my feelings. Honey, I vote right. I vote blue. I don't care. That's just hear no evil, see no evil, say no evil. Right? Y'all ain't saying amen, but I'm not moving. What happened when the homosexuals made noise? That's when he started uh, approving their movement. They got mad at him and called him on the carpet. He came alive on their behalf. You say what you want, but I'm going to say something real controversial right now. What has he done for black people? Okay, what has he done for black people? 
the church and tell me. You don't have to like me. Get some spiritual sense about you. Don't get mad at the preacher. I'm not going to stop preaching even if you are mad. But get some spiritual sense about you. Say to yourself, what am I doing? When you got wisdom and, am I right, Lori? God, I'm teaching right this morning. But when you got wisdom and spiritual discernment, you don't go with the flow. In fact, in this wicked society, you're going to be going against the flow. The flow is going this way, but you're going to be going against the current because you inherently disagree with everything they are saying. Oh, well. Oh, well. That's wisdom and discernment, though. Watch this. Go with me to Genesis 42. Are you still here? I hope I didn't lose you on Barak. Genesis 42 and 23. It's time for the preacher to stand up and preach. We just overlook stuff. It's not just political. We do it in the church. The man been flying with his administrative assistant for the past 13 engagements while his wife stays home. You got any good sense? You still go to a church to where they said, we don't want any black people at the door? I'm not going to stop preaching it. They had house and they had fields. Which one do you want to be? <laughs> Pastor Gabe, that's offensive. Well, welcome to the kingdom. We're going to write a theme song. Welcome to the kingdom. We're going to say some controversial things. Welcome to the kingdom. Get ready for the word. We're not going to apologize. And welcome to the kingdom. Stop letting, okay. Genesis 42 and 23. Pastor, you should invite that pastor to lunch. I should do no such thing. I didn't say white people can't stand at our doors. He's racist. No, I'm right. Just so I know I'm in church, on the count of three, everybody shout amen. One, two, three. Okay, so I made you say it even though you didn't want to. Everybody shout discernment. Genesis 42 and 23. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spake to them through an interpreter. Check this out. Joseph's brothers hated him. But they're coming to Egypt now, and they don't even know that that's who they're talking to. Joseph is sitting on the throne. His brothers are talking directly to him, Dave. They don't even know that's him. Good God Almighty. And Joseph, because he was so wise, he had his enemy sitting right in front of him. But instead of speaking the native Israel language, he continued to speak the Egyptian language. And he spoke to the interpreter and made the interpreter talk to them while they told him all of their trade secrets. My God, catch this. If you know how to conduct yourself when your enemies are around you, they will tell you everything that they've got planned for your demise. You know they hate your guts. You study shaking their hand. Hey, look at the 
Give them that pat on the arm before you leave them. And you know they just talked about you that morning. But you got to know how to talk to the interpreter. You got wisdom and discernment. That's what the Holy Ghost does. Well, I didn't really mean it this way. I didn't really mean it that way. Yeah, you did. (laughs) You did. But I'm not going to tell you that you did. I'm just going to use discernment. Pastor Gabe's not mad this morning. I'm just trying to help Christians be successful. Somebody shout, we win. Yeah, so wisdom and discernment. The, fir- the, third, the fourth trait that Joseph had, and y'all, I know I'm swimming upstream, but this is a good one. He had the proper manager, management of power. The proper management of power. Put next to that in parentheses, humility. Go with me to Genesis 41 and 40. You hear me preaching hard and strong, but, but don't get it twisted. That's not arrogance. That's confidence in the things of God. But when you, when you operate in the kingdom by default, you operate lowly. You operate in what, church? Humility or the proper management of power. Look at Genesis 41 verse, verse 40. God, this is good stuff. Good stuff this morning. Pharaoh has made Joseph the prime minister of Egypt. Look at it. Genesis 41 <clears throat> verse 40. He said, you shall be over my whole house and my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. He was set over what? All the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off in his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride uh, in the second chariot when he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knee. So people are literally bowing down to Joseph. So he had set him over the total land, jumped down just for a uh, uh, sake of time. Verse 44, Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in the land of Egypt. Check this out, bro. Joseph, Donald, had power. The people, you know, Egypt had millions. It wasn't a couple of hundred folk that he had power over. Egypt had millions of people. Moses led at least three million out. So Joseph had significant power, yet Joseph never got arrogant. You don't see anywhere in his story where God had to check him on his power. A trait of a successful Christian. Here it is, kingdom principle. When the Lord blesses you, stay the same way you were pre-blessing. When the Lord blesses you, keep talking to people the way you used to talk to them. When the Lord blesses you, if they'll let you keep the same friends, some folk are going to divorce you. They don't want to be your friend after you get blessed. You can't help them. But when the Lord blesses you, keep on being down to earth. Don't be so high and mighty and lifted up. Lord bless you. You know what? You ought to, you ought to have, and then people can't figure out what you have. That's called humility. Well, I think their net worth is... Let them figure it out. But you operate in humility. Because when you operate in humility, the Bible says, if you humble yourself in due season, he will do what? 
exalt you. So people who walk in humility, they walk in constant exaltation. It's like a stair test. Like they're on one level today. They're down here walking in humility, but as you go and keep loving God, he'll bump you up a little higher. You love God, he's going to bump you up a little higher. You love him, he'll bump you up a little higher. And before you know it, you're so blessed you can't even figure it out. Are you here this morning? But now in order to be blessed, you've got to love righteousness. Watch this. Here's a curveball. Humility is also standing down when God is right. It's not just an attitude, but when you figure out what God is saying is accurate, like when I just talked about Freedom House and their position on no black people at the front door, don't sit and be offended. Humility is God is right. When I talk about Barack Obama and the wickedness that he has trailed out over the past however many years, don't take it personal because you're black. I just saw some faces wrinkle at me. Just in case this is your first or second time at the church, that makes me preach harder. Don't get offended by it. Say to yourself, let me find that in Scripture. What does the Bible say about this wicked lifestyle? Are you going to follow a president to hell? You're going to hate Pastor Gabe so much? Oh, I just can't stand it. He's always calling people out. He's always, okay, whatever. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to help you. I'm one of the guys left in Charlotte that still preaches the word of God. I didn't say there aren't any more, but I'm one of them. I'm one of the guys that will still call out a name or two so that you can see clearly what's going on. Thy rod and thy staff comforts me. That's what shepherds are supposed to do. But you got to manage your power. Your self gets in front of us. Man, the spirit of self arise upon you. You'll, you'll find the enemy will rob you of your Sunday because of a, of a word of correction that God sent. God sent a word of prophecy tell you, you need to treat your wife better, receive it. You know, God sent your word of prophecy tell you, you need to do thus and so differently in your life. That's humility. I'm teaching the right point now. That's humility because humility says I'm not right all of the time. Let me give you a disclaimer lest you put me on the mountaintop. Pastor Gabe is not right all of the time. Not all the time. Now, in my preaching, I'm right. Just so you don't take that the wrong way. Well, yeah, he's right, because that first point I didn't agree with. The devil is a liar. That's right. <laughs> but sometimes, there you'll testify to this. Sometimes I'm wrong at home. And then you go back and say, dear, you know what? You was right. I messed up on this. She messes up more than me, just for the record. I just say stuff that just, but that's my wife and we love each other. I'm just teasing. There, I'm just teasing. See, I, can, I, I could say that stuff when she was out of church for maternity leave, but I'm going to be more careful now. I'm going I'm to I'm back down. So we're a proper manager of what, church? Power. Look at your neighbor and say, stay humble. Stay humble. All right, trait number five. Five. I won't finish this today. Successful Christians always manage their time. 
Time is the most precious thing, Shanita, Pam, that we have, Travis. Time is something that unless God does it supernaturally, because the Bible says redeeming the time, he can do it supernaturally. He did it with the Shulamite woman. But unless God does it supernaturally, time is something that you cannot get back. Once you lose time, you have lost it. Successful Christians always, everybody shout always, they manage their time. Genesis 41 and 46. Look at it. You're already there. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout the land of Egypt. You might say to me, Pastor Gabe, where did you get time from in that passage? Here it is. Joseph was how old when he became? How old was he, church? You've got to fi- figure out what's going on in this text here. This is really, really important. This man is only 30 years old, but he is the prime minister of all of Egypt. At 30? That's that's, that's greater than being the COO of Bank of America at 30. Or Wells Fargo, or one of our great corporations in the city. That's greater than that, y'all. This man is over a whole nation at the age of 30. How did he get there? Because of what he did before he ever became 30. When Joseph became king of Israel, read your Bible. Guess how old he was? 30. When Jesus started his ministry, guess how old he was? 30. Are you catching a kingdom principle here? And in three years, three, three years, three years, three years, Jesus turned the world upside down. Did you catch that? That's all because they managed their time. You got to be aware of something. Put this in your notes. Always be aware of time wasters. What are common time wasters in our life? I'm down to 10 minutes and I'll be done. I pray the word has blessed you. You got to be aware of time wasters. Common time wasters in our lives fall under the category of nouns. Everybody say nouns. What are nouns? People, places, and things. Boy, that's good teaching. (laughs) People you spend your time with, places you spend your time, and the things you pursue determine how well you manage your time. People, places, or things. I want everybody in this room right now, and this will probably be my my last, or maybe I'll get one more point depending on the time, but I want everybody in this room right now, evaluate while you're sitting there. Don't wait till later. Who are the people in your life? Are they fruitful or not? One great preacher said it. If I could remember who it was, I'd give them credit because I never quote somebody else and know that they say it without giving them credit. I just can't remember who said it. But I remember hearing a great preacher say something. People come into your life. Every person in your life is there either to bless you or curse you. Every relationship. The relationship I have with Don and Travis is here to bless me and I to bless them. The relationship on contrast that I have with Sekou is here to curse me. I'm just teasing. That's a joke. 
But people come, I have to make you laugh sometimes because I make you mad during my messages, make you cry, and then I got to make you laugh too. But people come into your life to either bless you or curse you. The relationship that I have with Cousin Tony is to bless me. Rosemary to bless me. Melvin has been a blessing. Travis has been a blessing. I'm so glad Jonslin met you at Home Depot in the blind section. It's a blessing to have him here at the church. But now, I can't tell you who's here to curse you. People either bless you or they waste your time. And if they're wasting your time, leave them alone. Like, you know, here's a good one right here. Stop having discipleship meeting with someone eight times to talk to them about the same thing. You have now fit the category of a time waster. For here's what Pastor Gabe is going to tell you, one of the deacons at the church. Did you do the last thing we told you to do? If you've not conquered the last thing we told you to do, it's no sense in us having an hour together because you hadn't done. So if you hadn't done the last thing we told you to do, what you're basically saying is, is what we're telling you to do is not the right thing that you need to do. So you need, like the world, another solution. You're in a relationship where you're shacking. The right thing to do is leave. Not gradually. Tonight. Well, we got to wean out of this thing. The devil is a liar. Well, we got bills together. Let the house go back to the mortgage company. Leave. Now, if you're not ready to leave, we don't have another need to meet. Well, you, you trying to figure out how to start the car? Because we can do a tutorial on how to crank the car. If you want me to send a deacon to your house to show you how to crank the car and drive away from the boyfriend that you shouldn't be living with, I'll send somebody. You do know that that's what Joseph did with Potiphar's wife. When Potiphar's wife tempted Joseph, let me give you Bible for it. Genesis 39. He left that coat. He left. He did not say, no, no, no. You, you see, you're too beautiful. Thank you, thank you, Sylvester. You're too beautiful, and I need to stay and endure the temptation. I just, <laughs> I'm going to say something that a lot of people say, that, and the devil is a liar. I just need to go through this so that God can finish making me. God sent you here so I can get off into some sexual sin so he could approve me. People, places, and things. Common time wasters. I mean no distaste with that. If you're in here and you're in sin today, guess what? We're going to give you an opportunity to get it right with the Lord. But you're not going to be a successful Christian living in sin. Dave, I went to homecoming on yesterday. Man, it was fun. I should have called you. We should have went together. Us and our wives, but I took Stephanie with me, and we started walking down the campus. I won't say the name of the school. You already know it anyway, <laughs> but I'm going on TV, so I'm not going to say the name, but she said, oh, my God, dear, this is where you went to school? I'm just glad the Lord kept you. I'm just glad the Lord kept you. 
Dare, who are those girls with those capes on? I said, well, baby, keep watching them because in a second they're going to take those capes off and they're going to have something on real tight. <laughs> you know the halftime show? Because you can't go to a black school without people doing obscene moves at halftime. I'm not even going to do them, they're so wicked. But you can't go to not a black school. I'm glad the Lord kept you. That's exactly what she said to me. But why did I raise up that story? Because Dave, man, I bumped into people that we went to school with still doing the same thing they was doing when we was ah, went to school together. I, I said, hey, brother, good to see you. And to myself, I said, man, you didn't age out of that. If the Holy Ghost don't do it, you ought to age out of it. All right, I made people laugh and made them mad. That's a good lesson. Trait number six, and we're going home. I hope this has blessed you. I'll have to finish the other three another day. You all have been so kind. I mean, no distaste with the things that I'm saying, but don't let people waste your time. Don't let people, don't let places, don't let things waste your time. I'm going to say something, then we'll go to trait number six. Don't invest your time in a business that's purposeless. Just because somebody says you can make quick money doing it, if God didn't call you to do it, don't do it. It's a waste of your time. Because the business is only going to grow if you have passion for it. If you don't have passion for it, it's not going to grow. So you got to get in the thing that God has called you to do. The, f the last thing, trait number six, Joseph was selfless. Selfless. He was a giver. Go with me to Genesis 42, 25. Look at what Joseph did for his brothers who treated him like dirt. Genesis 42, 25. I got two minutes and I got to stop, y'all. 42 and 25. Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain, to restore every man's money to his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus he did for them. Do you see that? So they loaded their donkeys with grain, and they departed from there. Now Joseph Pam was setting his brothers up. And I understand that. But he also was making sure that they had something to eat. He was selfless. Joseph was a giver. We talked about, excuse me, seed sowing not long ago. And, and let me tell you something. If you want to rise to greatness, you've got to master that principle. Sowing what? Time, talents, and treasure. They, th those things have to just come natural to you. When you are a natural giver, you look for opportunities to give. You don't look for opportunities to criticize. You look for opportunities to give. Like it hurts me if somebody comes and tells me they have a need. That's an opportunity. This is why we got bread that goes out of the church every Sunday. Opportunity. This is why you, you can't be a member or associated with this church and not have groceries. That's an opportunity. Right. You have to be selfless. Those things have to become normal to you. When you operate in selfless principles, the Lord will just bless you. I'm going to my seat, but God will just bless you over and over again. 
I got 60 seconds, and I'm going to close this thing out. When you are so selfless and you are so humble in your disposition and you love people so much, God will just smile on you every time you turn around. He'll be opening the door for you. But you got to master it. Guys, you can stop the tape. I don't want to go over. The Bible.